Praise God. Well, uh, we've been in a series called Right Words. Uh, I believe this is part eight, and I think we're getting near the end, but, you know, we'll see. Um, let's go ahead and look at Hebrews 10.23. They'll put it up on the screen, and then we'll go on. Hebrews 10.23 says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. In the New International Version, it says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. Hebrews 10.23 in, in God's Word translation says, We must continue to hold firmly to our declaration of faith. The one who made the promise is faithful. We must continue to hold firmly to our declaration of faith. And we've covered different angles of this. We can't re-preach all that. If you want to listen to the messages online, you can go and, and catch up. But uh, we've covered different angles of this. And just talking about our words, our words are very important. What we say is so important in different aspects of what we say. We've been covering Covering this, but here it says, let us hold fast, in, in the, the New King James, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. Uh, it says, hold fast. That means if you have to hold fast to something, and the other place it says, hold unswervingly. In the last, in the God's Word, it says, we must hold firmly. That means if you were holding fast to something, holding tightly, that means there's a reason for that. You know, you ever been to an amusement park? And they say, hold on. You know, hopefully you're not holding on to keep you in the roller coaster or something. That would be bad because, you know, those things get moving. That's like impossible. But somebody says, hold on. They get in the car and says, hold on. Well, you may want to hold on. There's a reason why, because something's about to move. When we're in life, this is saying, hold fast the confession of our hope. Go back to the God's Word translation, if you would. It says we must continue to hold firmly to our declaration of faith. There's a reason why it says you must hold firmly. Because in life, it's going to try to, life is just going to try to beat your confession out of you. All you have to do is go through the day. This world is going one way. And if you're a Christian and endeavoring to live by the Spirit of God and by the Word of God, you are going upstream. Have you ever you know, gone in, a, in a, a, a flowing water and moved upstream, even if it's just a stream, something that's not that deep, you going against the current is not easy. And I don't recommend going out into the middle of a river and trying to go upstream. You can get swept away, right? Well, that's what it's like in this world. It's not just, hey, I'm a Christian, yay, we're going to go out into the world and everybody's at my back. No, everything is against you. Because this world is fallen. This world is under the curse. We're not under the curse. We've been redeemed from the curse. But uh, of the law. We, but this world is dark. And so we get out and go into the world. The things you hear, the things you see, it's, most of it is not godly. So you have to purposefully put things that are godly in front of you. You have to focus on them. You have to look at the word. You have to hold firmly to what you believe and what you say. Because if you're just like, eh, you know, we're just cool, next thing you know, you're going to be going right with the current. And so 
we've talked about different, different aspects of this. It says, we must continue to hold firmly to our declaration of faith, what you believe. You know, the other translations say uh, your confession uh, or confession of our hope. Well, your hope is what you expect. Your, what you expect is based on what you believe. So this all goes together. Our declaration of faith, we have to hold firmly to it. We have to purpose in our hearts to say the right things. Amen. If you don't, you'll find yourself talking like everybody else. Do you ever find that? Yes. It's so easy to be tempted to start talking like other people because uh, it's just the way of the world. So we have to, on purpose, do something with our mouth. And so we've talked about different aspects of that. Tonight, uh, I want us to turn uh, to Mark 11, verse 12, and we're going to read you know, a passage of Scripture that's, well, in some circles, in our circles, very uh, well known for uh, when we're talking about these things. But um, we're going to focus on some of this tonight and get, get into some other things. But Mark 11, verse 12. <clears throat> We got a lot here. So you guys believe with me that we get out the right things right now. Mark 11, verse 12. It says, Now the next day when they... Uh, when they had come out from Bethany, he was hungry, Jesus. So they, they had gone um, into Jerusalem. Jesus had gone into Jerusalem with his disciples, and they had come out and then uh, stayed in a town called Bethany. And so then they're uh, coming out of Bethany, and they're going back into Jerusalem. And it says, uh, so the next day when they, when they come out of Bethany, he was hungry. Jesus was hungry. And seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. In response, Jesus said to it, Let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And his disciples heard it. Now skip down to uh, verse 20, actually. I don't know if you... I think I gave you verse 20, but verse 20 says, Now in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. So uh, they went into Jerusalem, they came back, they went to bed, then they come back, and they're coming uh, back the same way, and uh, the next morning, and they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots, and Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God, for assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, Be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you will have them. Verse 23 says, uh, for assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, so this is Jesus saying this. He said, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. I'm going to read it again. Jesus is saying, now notice 
notice, don't let this be just religion or just something Jesus said, just, eh, he said that, and it's all metaphorical. Listen to what he's actually saying. And we're going to talk about other verses related to this. He said, For as surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast in the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have what? Whatever he says. So he actually, Jesus actually said, if a person believes in his heart, see, there's two aspects to this. People get this out of whack, and they say all kinds of weird stuff. They say, oh, well, you're just saying that you can just say whatever you want, and it'll just happen. No, that, that's not what Jesus said either. Go back to the beginning of verse 23. For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast in the sea, and does not doubt, where? In his heart. See, you have to believe something. This isn't magic. This isn't like, well, you know, I just believe such and such. Oh, see, it didn't work. It's not magic just saying something. It's believing in your heart, your spirit, and then saying something. Now, if you believe in your heart, but you're not saying it here, saying it, and we've covered some of these things in different, in different places before, saying it is you're releasing your authority. We have authority through the Lord Jesus Christ on this earth. You know this naturally. Your word means something naturally. If you say something in a court of law, it's not, you can't just go, oh, well, I, I didn't mean that. Never mind, D strike that. If you, your word can be written down, but it's coming, it may come, you know, through your hand, but it's as if you spoke it. And those contracts that you write, things that you make a statement, they are binding. Well, when we speak things out of our mouth, we are exercising authority, whether we know it or not. We are exercising authority for good or for bad. We're binding or loosing things in our life. We're giving God authority to work, or we're actually allowing the enemy to work. And this is way more important than most people understand. It says, Jesus is saying... If you would say to this mountain, he, might, he was pointing at a mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done. See, he believes and he's saying something, then what will happen? Next verse or next part. He will have whatever he says. Jesus said this. This isn't hocus pocus. This isn't, well, we just made something up and we just pretend it's true. This is Jesus saying, if, if a man or woman believes something and speaks it out of her mouth, that's what they'll have. Our words are important. What we're saying when we declare something out of our mouth, we need to understand that what we're saying needs to line up with what God has promised and what He said in His Word if we want His results. If we want what God has promised, we need to be lining up and saying what He has promised and agreeing with Him. Praise God. I'm going to read over in Matthew the uh, other account of this same situation. Matthew 21 verse 18 says, Now in the morning as he returned to the city he was hungry, and seeing a fig tree by the road, he came to it and found nothing on it but leaves, and said to it, Let no fruit grow on you ever again. Immediately the fig tree withered away. Matthew says it immediately happened. Well, something happened immediately, it began to wither. 
And when the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, How did the fig tree wither away so soon? So Jesus answered and said to them, Assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what was done to this fig tree, but also if you say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, it will be done. Whatever things you ask in prayer, believing you will receive. So when Jesus spoke, something started immediately. What he said started to happen. And in our lives, we're talking about holding fast to our confession. We're talking about our words. What we speak out of our mouth starts to happen and is happening in our lives. Jesus said it would. This is what is going on. What you say determines where you're headed. And it's not what you say in church. It's not what you say, you know, when somebody's watching. It's what you say and you believe. See, people get legalistic with certain things and say, oh my goodness, I let something slip. Well, did you believe it? I'm not saying you just let your mouth go like a loose cannon, but on the other hand, don't get so bound that it's what you're saying and you're believing that's going to happen. Don't get legalistic about it. Don't be the confession police and tell everybody else. Nobody wants you to tell them what to say. You don't want anybody to tell you what to say. There's a difference between helping somebody and just kind of nitpicking. Now, we ought to be encouraging one another, but Jesus said that what we say will come to pass. He did not say, figure everything out and how you're going to move the mountain and then speak to it. He said, speak to the mountain and it will move. He didn't say, figure out how that could be possible and then do it. Open your mouth and speak to it because your faith is in God, not in your own strength. We need to understand we can be speaking what God's word says, even if we don't have a clue how it could happen. And we don't see anything in the natural that looks like it's true. It's not our responsibility to move the mountain. Our responsibility is to speak, believe, and speak the right words. We, we sometimes flip it. There's no pressure on us. We are believing God, and we need to cooperate with Him and just speak the right things. But we need to speak the right things regardless of what happens. And this is the trick. This is a trick. Because probably everybody in here right now, you know, we, we've spent some time worshiping God. You're under the anointing. Uh, everybody's at peace. You probably flushed half the things that were going on the week away. And if you're going to speak, you could speak the right words probably with no problem right now. But we're supposed to keep on speaking. And we need to understand that when we're speaking the word, we are putting things into motion. And this is where that holding fast comes in. Because when you get out into the world and stuff starts pushing on you and pressing, it's trying to get you to let go and to start saying something else and to start saying the wrong thing and to start speaking things that are opposed to what God uh, has promised us. And we need to hold fast and push uh, through. I want to I look at, um, 
Well, praise God. Should we go there? Thank you, Lord. Yeah, let's go over to Numbers and look at something. I want to show you something and then we'll go a little bit further. Praise God. Numbers 13, verse 1. Praise you, Lord. Before we go there, let's, you can just hold your finger there, though. I want to read you a few other scriptures. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 6. It says, So we are also co always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by faith and not by sight. When we're walking through this life, we need to understand that we're not going by what you see. If we go by what we see and start saying what we see, we're going to miss it. Because God Himself, you don't see Him with your physical eye. We believe God is real. We believe in what He has said in His Word. We believe in the power and the anointing of God. We believe heaven is real, but... Unless you've had a vision of those things, you don't see them with your natural eye, but you believe and you act like they're true. When we are walking in this life, we cannot let our mouth line up with what we see. We need to speak what the Word says. God is going to back up what we say, and we give access to Him to help us with what we say, regardless of what we see what, we, what His truth, what, his, what the Word says and what His truth says is going to stand if we'll agree and if we'll work with Him. But there will be pressure to yield and to say something that's contrary. And when we do, we are actually opening the door to the, for the enemy to work and to bring things to pass that really God wants us over here. God has provided a way for us to be over here. But it's so easy to slip into the way the world is doing stuff and say, well, I don't see anything. What's the difference? I'm just saying what I see and actually end up here when all the while God wanted us over here, had provided us victory, had provided us the ability and the means, but we didn't agree with Him. And so we started saying, no, I just don't see any way. I don't see how. We need, to get, we need to get it settled that God's right. And if He said something by His Word or by His Spirit to us, we need to just hook up with Him and say what He said. And that's not always easy. I'll be honest with you. It's not easy, but it's possible. 
It's possible, even though you have pressure bearing down, and even though you look out and say, what's the, what's the difference? Why don't I just say it? It's obvious. It's true. Quote, unquote. I can't see it, so it's true. Why, what, what's, if, I, if, I, if I say what is true, how's that going to change anything? It doesn't hurt anything. That's a lie. If God has told us to believe, he's told us, he's made promises in his word, or if he said by, by his spirit to your heart, you need to do such and such, and he, you've got leading from him, we need to agree with him and say what he says and agree and speak it out our mouth what he says, even if we see nothing that backs that up. Because that gives him the access to do exactly what he said he would do. Remember, it's not up to us to move the mountain. Our job is to speak it. But if we say, I just don't see any point in speaking it. That mountain's not going to move. Then we'll have exactly what we just said. Praise God. So I'm going to go to another scripture. We'll go to numbers in a second. Psalm 103, verse 20. Put that up on the screen. It says, Bless the Lord, you His angels who excel in strength, who do His word. Heeding the voice of His word. Bless the Lord, all you His hosts, you ministers of His, who do His pleasures. His pleasure. Verse 20, can you put... Uh, verse 20, Bless the Lord, you His angels, who excel in strength, who do His word. Well, if it's God's word, and it's a promise to us, and we speak it out of our mouth, there are angels that are standing at attention to make that come to pass. They're waiting for the command. It says, heeding the voice of His word. Think about it like this. If God has set before you a plan, whether it's, it's general in His word, or He's spoken to you by His Spirit and told you, Son, daughter, this, I'm not saying you heard an audible voice, but you got impression, you knew it was God, it bore witness that he wanted you to do such and such. That if that's the plan of God for you, then regardless of what it looks like, regardless of what it feels like, regardless of what you think your resources are, he is right. And there are angels that are actually waiting and ready to make that come to pass, but they're waiting for a command from us. You say, well, God will just do whatever he wants. No, that's not true. If God did whatever He wants, then this world would be a whole lot different. He is waiting for us to say, and uh, it, he, He'll prompt you. He'll show you. He'll give you guidance. He'll say, this is what I want for you. And you can, you, you, we have a choice. We can sit there and go, I don't see any way that's going to happen. I have no clue how that can happen. What good is it going to do for me to say anything? And if we could see in the spiritual realm, we would see angels that are ready to make it happen in ways that we have no clue about. You don't have to figure it out. We don't have to know. We just have to agree with God. How many of you can agree that God is smarter than us? That may seem easy, but if we just get that down, and that might help you. When we're going through life, when we're tempted to say something that's contrary to what God said, if we just remind ourselves, God's smarter than me. If He told you to do something and you go, I don't see any way. Well, God's smarter than me. He has a way. I don't have to know everything. Have you ever worked in a, in a company where you don't understand everything about what they're going, but there's people, you know, maybe they're not necessarily smarter than you, but they know more information. They're, they're tasked with leadership, and they're saying, we're going over here, and they have information maybe you don't have. You have to say, okay, 
we're going over here. If you think you have to know everything to walk with God, we're going to be sorely limited. Think about it. If we're going to walk through the plan of God with what we know, that's a, that's a, that's a bottleneck. I don't know, maybe you think different, but for me, I know it's a bottleneck. If it's just based on what I know, I'm going to have problems. If God is telling us we can do something, and we're, we're, if we disagree with him, if we, don't, if, we'll, if we don't give him our will, if we say, well, I don't see how, I don't see when, I just don't see how we'd have the money, I don't see how we'd have the resources, and we refuse to obey and just say what he's saying, we are actually tying the hands of him and the angels. They're sitting there going, just give me the command. Would you shut up with that other stuff? Just give me the command and I can do it. I can get this done. Well, I don't see how. You don't need to see how. I, I'm, I don't mean this in a condemning way, but I'm sure there are some angels that are really, really frustrated at times. <laughs> because we're, we, we, you know, we're all guilty of it. We're going, we're saying this and that, and I don't see what is God doing, and I don't know, and how would we ever? And they're saying, I mean, they know the Almighty. They can see they're in the spirit realm. They can see, can you imagine what they're thinking? And they're like... Would you just say it? Do you realize who you're dealing with? Do you, if you could even see them. I mean, people that have seen angels, I mean, they're massive. They're, they're, they're strong. They're fast. They can, one, one angel in the Old Testament took out 185,000 people. It's, they're, they're not limited like we are limited. And, you know, we're saying, well, I just don't see how. And if we would just say, well, I'm going to say what God said anyway and speak his word, then we would see things come to pass because we're agreeing with him. 2 Corinthians 4.17, we're getting to numbers. 2 Corinthians 4.17 says, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. See, it is tempting because everybody, I shouldn't say everybody, but the majority of this world walks in the natural and walks by sight. They do go by the seen. If they can't see it, then it's not real. And so the Bible says specifically here, while we do not look at the things that are seen, but the things which are not seen, we don't look at natural. We look at things that are spiritual, the things that are not going to change, the things that are eternal, the things that are not temporary. It says, for the things which are seen are temporary. What does that mean? They're subject to change. They're subject to change. But things which are not seen are eternal. So if we see something, if we feel something, if it looks a certain way, financially, medically, relationally, if we, say, if we see a situation and we speak out what we see, then we are limiting what can happen in that situation. On the other hand, if God has told us something that is contrary to everything we see, feel, taste, touch, everything, but we'll just say, God said it, and I believe He knows more than I do. He has resources that I don't have, that I can't see. I am going to believe Him and go for it and speak what He said. 
The Bible said, if we'll say, believe in our heart, believe Him, and say with our mouth, we will have what we say. So it, and, but God needs our, our cooperation here. We've been talking about words, right words, and in any situation, right words are what God would say. We need to be His mouthpiece in this situation. We need to be His mouthpiece in our life and say, Lord, whatever you said, I'm going to say that. I don't care if I understand it. I don't care if I feel it. I don't care if I can see it. I'm going to say what you said. I'm going to say it, and I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it in, in the face. Now, I'm going to, we'll get into uh, numbers, and then we may uh, cover a little bit uh, in a different area in just a moment. But Numbers 13, verse 1. Numbers 13, verse 1. It says, The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers you shall send a man, every one a leader among them. Now notice what is said right here. Go back to verse 1. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, so Canaan's the promised land, which I am giving to the children of Israel. So he, the Lord is telling Moses, you send out spies to the land I am giving Israel. So is, is it God's will for, for the Israelites to have Canaan? So Moses is told by God himself, you send spies into this land because I'm giving you this land. So Moses goes, organizes this group, and, you know, from all the tribes and such, and lets them know what's going on. The Lord is giving us this land, and we're going to go spy it out. So we know this is the will of God. This is God's plan for Israel. Let's skip down to verse 26. It says, Now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron, and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh, Kadesh. And they brought back word to them and all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. So they've already gone. They've come back. So this is when they're coming back. They told, then they told him and said, we went to the land where you sent us. Now, why did they send them there? Because this is the will of God for them. Because this is the, this is the land that God has already said, I've given this to you. Now, before we get into it, you know, if you know the story, but just think about it. Don't throw any stones at these guys. Don't, don't look, you know, thumb your nose at them. Just start to relate it to our own lives. Because God has told us by His Word, and I'm sure He's told um, many of us by His Spirit. He'll, he'll talk to every child of, of God by His Spirit and give you direction for your life. He's told you, prompted you, given you general direction and specific direction of what He has for you. What He wants for you. And so these guys are no different than us. These guys are the same, they're, they're flesh and blood, and they're tempted the same way we are. They have a word from God, and people can say, well, there's no way. If, if, if you had a word from God, I mean, just believe God. Yeah, it's that easy. Except that you have lots of help in the world to, to try to slant it. And it may have looked one way back here, but it's the it's, it's same way here in 2019. So they come back. 
They are sent to spy out the land they are ordained by God to have. Verse 27, they told him and said, We went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey. This is its fruit. Nevertheless, so they said, yep, it's got really good fruit. It's nice. Nevertheless, the people who dwell there in the land are strong. The cities are fortified very, and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. Of the south, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell uh, by the sea along the banks of the Jordan. So they are saying, yep, it's really nice land, but there's all this stuff here. And that's where they stopped at this point. Yeah, it's really nice, but, you know, there's all this stuff, and so it's, it's basically too hard. Verse 30, Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. Now notice, these guys just got done. What did they say? They said, yes, the land is good. Yes, the land is everything that we thought it would be. And then they spoke out, yeah, but all these people are there. Now, they're going to they're gonna pick up here in a minute and keep going down that path. But notice Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said something else. He said, let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. Now, why was he saying that? Because he believed God. These guys were all sent out with the same instruction. They were all sent out, you go, get, you go look at the land that God has given you. He's go, he wants to give this to you. And Caleb, reacting to the same situation, he said, let us go up at once. He's saying, let's go up now and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. In the, end, the New Living Translation, verse 30, it says, Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses and said, let's go take, go at once to take the land. He said, we can certainly conquer it. Now notice what he's saying. He, he's not seeing anything different. He is walking through something that he knows God has promised. He's come up against something that, and you could put this in, in our lives, we know God has spoken something through his word, through us personally, and it's right there. And then we have a choice. We're looking at it. We can say something out of our mouth and go, yeah, but there's no way. Did you see? Yeah, it is really, it's really a nice place, but man, is it expensive. Yeah, but there's no, you know, yeah, I know what God said, but did you hear what the doctor said? And you start saying something contrary to what God said. But Caleb said something different. He went right in the face of that and he said, we're able to conquer it now. Why would he be so bold? How can he say that? How can he let, I mean, he's looking at the same stuff. He's looking at the giants. How can he speak that? Because he believes something and he's trusting God. If God said it, he knows more than I do. In the uh, Young's literal translation, it says, let's go, let's, let us certainly go up. And this is, Young's literal translation reads a little funny sometimes, but it is, like it, like it says, literal. And so it's very uh, specific. Let us certainly go up, and we have possessed it, for we are thoroughly able for it. What's he acting like? This is done. He just said, there, he hasn't stepped a foot there to, for the battle, but he said, we came back. I saw it, but God said it, so we're able to do it now. Let's go. 
and he said something different. He said what God said. And he was not, he wasn't floating magic words. Are you kidding me? There are warriors on the other side ready to kill them. He believes it. He's saying, he's speaking out. This is what God said. We can do it. Now, verse 31, the the other men come back up. If you can go back to uh, Numbers 13, 31. But the men who had gone up with him said, so he goes and tries to get the people, say, wait, wait. We can do it. We can go up now. So then the other, peoples, the other people that were with him said, we are not able to go up against this people. Notice that. They, in the, in the face of what Caleb said, they went right back and say, no, we're not able. These guys were in the exact same place. They went to the same place. They had the same words given to them. And one spoke out and said, there's no way we can do it. Caleb said, yes, we can. God has, he's basically saying, God has told us we're able to do it. We can do it now. He spoke that. But notice the words that the other people said. We are not able to go up against this people, for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report. I want you to notice that they gave a bad report. They said something that was bad. They gave the wrong description of the problem. They gave their understanding of the problem. They gave their understanding of the situation. They looked at it, and they're looking at the natural, and they're looking at what they can see, what they can feel, what they can hear, and they said, we cannot do this. And they gave a bad report, even though God himself had said, you can do it. In fact, I've already given it to you. So they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, the land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants and all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. There we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak from the giants. We are like grasshoppers in our own sight and we were in their sight. They are saying there is no way we can do this. And if you know the rest of the story, The Lord got so fed up with them, he said, watch out, I'm going to wipe these these people out. And, I mean, the guys that are complaining. And Moses said, wait, if you do that, everybody's going to say you just took them out here and now you're destroying them yourself. Don't do that. And he said, all right, but they're all going to die out here except Joshua and Caleb. It will be just as they said. They will not make it into the promised land, but Joshua and Caleb will go. And so they had to wait for everybody to die before they could go on in. But notice, that was not God's will. It was not God's will. It was not the quote-unquote reality of the situation that made that happen. It wasn't the power of anybody they saw. It wasn't the, the strength of those armies. It wasn't the size of the men. It was the fact that those guys said and believed. They believed something and they said something and they said, there's no way we can do that. Instead of looking at it and saying, I have no clue how this could ever happen, but God said it and we're going in and we're going to take these guys out. 
they could have jumped on with, with Caleb and Joshua. They could have all been speaking and saying that exact same thing and saying, I don't care. Just like what Jesus said, you can speak to the mountain and have what you say. They could have said in the face of it, we're going over, we're taking these guys out, even though they had no clue. And there were angels there to make it happen. And in fact, you see it later when Joshua and Caleb go in, these guys were scared of them. And things that they were looking at their natural strength. They were looking at their natural ability. They had no clue how they could overcome. But God made a way and went before them. And they had to still walk in faith. They still had to walk it out. But what they said, Joshua and Caleb, it did eventually come to pass. And what these guys said came to pass. And notice they influenced everybody else with their words. They polluted the whole atmosphere. But we can go, in the, it's the same thing with us, whatever God has told you today, in His Word, by His Spirit, if He told you, if He spoke something to your heart about His plan for your life, it might be next month, it could be six months, a year from now, five years, whatever, the direction that He has you heading, what, how we react to Him. How we react and what we say out of our mouth, you will have pressure to go in the face, I don't care who you are, of what God said. There will be pressure to say, there's no way. I know God, why did God choose, why, why would God say that? Or why didn't God? Or where is this? And any number of things trying to get, there'll be pressure for you to speak out something that will be countered. Just like these guys. These guys just yielded to the pressure. The Bible says, this is our example. We can look at these guys and we can say, ah, I'd never do that. But we need to bring it right back to where we are and say, what in my life? Either I know, I quote unquote know, I've read it in the Word, I've heard it, I know this is supposed to be in my life, but what are we saying about it? Are we saying what we see? Are we saying what we feel? Are we saying, yeah, I don't know why it hasn't happened. I don't know, you know, I thought, I confessed, I tried to believe, I thought God would do this. Are we saying that or are we saying in spite of it, God... Your word is true. Your word is right. And I'm going to say what you said. I'm going to say what your will is. I don't need to figure out how it was possible. These guys did not have to figure out how to defeat the army. They just had to agree with God, and God would figure out how to do it. In fact, he already knew. He didn't have to figure anything out. He knew. He knows. He knows now. What's our part? Agree with him, believe, and speak out. Praise God.